Oh, I didn't notice you were sleeping on the bills. What's going on, my friends? Derek Palzai here, and welcome into the second episode of the Shell Game. Uh, for those of you that are already new, we're already starting to get a lot of engagement on Twitter. We're getting some requests on YouTube within the first 48 hours of some of the content we're posting up, and I'm really excited about that because I have such a love for the NFL, for MMA, and for uh, sports alike. But like I say, as the tagline of the show, uh, mostly MMA and NFL because, I mean, who really watches the other ones? So we had a very interesting day yesterday. Today. Um, really, the Buffalo Bills scored enough points and put on a performance uh, f- like four games in one. Essentially, they could they could have they pretty much st- scored enough for the entire playoffs yesterday. And if you tuned into episode one or at least the section where we did the, our predictions for this weekend, so far we are two and two. Uh, our predictions were that the uh, Raiders were not going to pull through, and of course they didn't. Cincinnati got their first win. Uh, a beautiful win at that, a dominant win. Um, they had themselves scared a little bit at the end with uh, Carr leading down, taking some notes from the Chargers uh, the week before and saying, hey, if we're going to go out, we're going to go out swinging. Um, but ultimately, Cincinnati uh, put it away. And then uh, the Buffalo Bills came in and put on a show for the ages. Now, when I said in the first episode that they were setting just only records, little did my bills mafia brain know that we were going to accentuate amplify and put a stamp in the history books on week one of the super wild card weekend so we're gonna go over some josh allen stats here because we have to start there i mean i I, let me give honor where honor is due mcdermott has done a fantastic job i'm mostly impressed by the team's acumen as well as maturity. Everybody's speaking and communicating well uh, before and after the games in regards to social media, in regards to the press. Um, Our penalties are almost non-existent. Our fundamentals are there. And one thing that I thought was very interesting in the Bills game, um, and this this is honestly is my uh, biggest takeaway from yesterday's game, is the chemistry. The amount that these players support each other on both sides of the football is something that is beautiful. I mean, in the Bills era, we have not seen this since the Jim Kelly, you know, Thurman Thomas, Bruce Smith, uh, you know, I mean, let's throw Don Beebe in there. I mean, we have not seen this for ages. This is beautiful. It's something uh, amazing to watch when you can tell that there's chemistry in and outside of the game um, and on and off of the field. And these players were amping each other up. The coaches were amping each other up. And this is a team that was ready to come and play. I'm here in Chicago. I was born in Buffalo, but you could feel the rumbles of the Bills Mafia from Chicago. I am telling you, the energy was there. Okay, so starting with the Josh Allen show, I'm going to read you off some stats here um, before we hop into the rest of the team because everybody was setting records yesterday, right? So Josh was 21 of 25, um, more touchdowns than incompleted passes. I mean, my goodness. I mean, they went seven for seven on the first seven drives. The only time ugh, these stinking bills, the only time they didn't score a touchdown was when they were kneeling the ball to put the stamp on it. I mean, my God. I mean, how much can you possibly show that we are here to show up for the Super Bowl? I already believe that it's going to be a Bills-Packers Super Bowl. I'm going to keep saying it. Um, And after that performance yesterday, that gives me enough confidence that we have the maturity and poise as a team to actually pull off a win against any uh, NFC team that would be opposition in this year's Super Bowl. But you're not going to make it through this uh, Bills-Steel wall at this time. 
So um, he got the five touchdowns, got 374 passing yards. Uh, let me go back to the just onlys and the first onlys for Josh Allen. He's the first player in NFL history. We're starting to hear this a lot with Josh Allen in McDermott. The first player in NFL history to throw 300 yards, five touchdowns, and 60-plus passing yards uh, in in one game, obviously in the postseason as well. And then also 80% completion, five touchdowns, and 50-plus yards. I mean, any combination you put this data in at this point, you find Josh Allen at the top, and we're going to consistently see this as a pattern moving forward. Um, and whether or not you like it, the Bills are here to stay, at least for the foreseeable future so moving on to the uh buffalo pr team's uh little statistic card here um because i'm here just to tell the story not reinvent the wheel my friends um let's go we we just talked allen beautiful game singletary coming alive i mean my goodness this dude you know what he looks like he looks like a younger shifty uh shady mccoy um i saw his uh shifting and his cuts i mean he was breaking ankles he was uh shifting entire defenses yesterday and he was playing tough he was running through people smallest smallest dude on the field and i was telling my wife yesterday i'm like if they can't stop singletary um and not in a bad way but if they can't stop singletary what other player on the bills are they gonna stop and he was pushing it through the line um dawson knox i mean my uh, where where's he coming from just catching stuff out of the sky in the back of the end zone um obviously josh allen kept that play alive if you have not seen that uh josh allen to knox connection uh, i believe it was either the first or the second touchdown oh my gosh it was so beautiful um and i told you guys i told you guys in episode one that micah hyde and jordan poyer were going to stick it and stamp it to mac jones and literally the first drive, I, we didn't see another threat down the field after Micah Hyde literally stole that bucket pass from Mac Jones. I mean, the timing, the the accuracy, it was almost like the the way the way and the fashion in which he intercepted that ball in the end zone was almost scripted like a like a like a movie. He saw that it was going to be a touchdown. He looked at the ball. He uh, made some Raymond noodles. He you know he he cooked up a steak and he was like hmm. Let's think, do I give it to them and not let them know we're about to score almost a, a 50 plate on them? Uh, no, let me go ahead and take that for me uh, and slide through the end zone with the ball in his hands. It was such a beautiful play. Um, I could watch that literally over and over uh, and never get tired of that. So really, I mean, every statistic on this game is very notable. Um, one of them that I like here is the Bills are the first team in NFL history, regular season or playoffs to not attempt a field goal punt or commit a turnover in a single game. Um, which is a fantastic thing. So if you didn't watch the game, um, uh, it's unfortunate for you. 29 first downs, uh, 482 yards, 174 rushing yards, 308 on uh, passing, uh, 21 of 25. Like we said, only four uh, incomplete passes there. Um, three, uh, three penalties for 47 yards, which is a, a beautiful thing under that much pressure. But, you know, we had the energy, we had the fans, we had the team there. And six out of seven on third down efficiency. Um we are here to make a statement this year. Um, it couldn't have come at a better time. Uh, McDermott has really turned this uh, team around. The Buffalo Bills are looking like a playoff caliber team, whoever they're facing here next, which obviously we have a couple of hunches of who's going to be next. Um, but they're going to have a hard time keeping up with this team, especially, like I said, the chemistry that we're seeing on the defense for the Buffalo Bills is something that was 
a beautiful thing to see, whether we were pass rushing, whether we were sitting in the pocket and waiting for plays. I mean, Milano got his hands on a few. He tipped up uh, the second interception of the game. And we're just seeing that anytime there's a great open field tackle, anytime there's great coverage, even if that person were to miss the play, there's two, three, four other blue, white, and red players right there ready to back up. And that's just something you don't see often unless you have the number one defense in the entire league, which the Buffalo Bills do. So with the playoffs being here, I had to kind of make a choice. Do I want to watch the uh, first return of the UFC for the year in the Qatar Chikadze fight? Um, or do I want to watch the Bills do what they do? And I am so glad I chose what I did. But my goodness, did I miss a fight inside of the uh, Calvin and Giga fight? I mean, I went back and watched it this morning and I was just blown away. I, I literally took notes in every single round. Um, and I'm going to kind of tell you the, the key elements I saw in that fight uh because i believe that it you know i had my doubts whether or not this card was the right one to start with or they should have thrown it a little bit further and started with the Nganu gain card but i really do think that this was a fantastic choice um and i underestimated the excitement that was going to happen in this fight so in round one um you could immediately see chikadze coming out like he usually does uh showing a bunch of switch stances strong on the kicks very accurate um hitting some jabs in there but one thing that i thought was really interesting with Qatar because he had that takedown in first uh in, in round one um his timing i mean and this is throughout all rounds i mean he was catching kicks his timing was there it seemed at first that he was trying to keep the distance a little bit and kind of gauge which usually you know fighters are going to do in the beginning but he was very calculated very posed and then once he was on the ground I mean, the control was insane. His weight distribution was there. When he got him in that body triangle in round one, it was a beautiful thing to see. And you could see just the slightest ounce of fear creeping into Chikadze's eyes. So, uh, you know, he, had, he hasn't seen that yet in the UFC, at least at that level of pressure. And throughout round one, two, three, four, five, uh, uh, Calvin was just putting pressure on. Now, one thing I do think, you know, uh, he, towards the end, or I'm sorry, at the end of the fight, he was kind of saying, you know, this doesn't look what a uh, a winner should look like after they just, um, you know, got the W. And I think once he goes back and watches the film, you know, he, he may reconsider that comment because he really did put pressure on uh, Chikadze the entire fight. Um, but one thing I do think that he will maybe take away is his angles were a little bit off, um, especially in those first three rounds. I think he could have put uh, Giga away a little bit quicker um, if he would have cut those angles off because he was draining his energy tank. He already uh, got the huge takedown and the confidence booster in round one. But I noticed that um, uh, Chikadze was backing up and going to his left, but Calvin was kind of following him and circling around to his own left versus cutting him off to the right, throwing in some maybe uh, legs or some body checks in there um, and then going up top. So I think it was round three or four where uh, Giga got a um, body punch in there and then a right hook. And, I, you know, I, I saw it again in round five and I'm like, why didn't why didn't he do that earlier? Um, but I mean, at the same time, when you're getting pressured by somebody like Calvin, you're getting elbows from forward, every angle, sideways, spinning back elbows, um, your face is getting all cut up. You know, I have obviously no idea what it's like to be in there, but seeing that type of pressure, I understand why he took so long, but once you feel that level of pressure, um, the deciding factor, whether you come out with a W or an L is if you can adjust and open some part of your game up. I mean, and if anybody has, 
uh, IQ, fight IQ, it's going to be Chikadze, but he didn't take his opportunities soon enough. You only have so much time, and it was a five-round fight. So if he would have done it at least two or three more times where body shot, body shot, right hook, jab, he was connecting with the jab throughout all five rounds. And when he was connecting, it was sharp. It was popping the chin of Calvin uh, back and forth over and over again. But then he would get gassed because of how much pressure Calvin was putting on. So I think that it was a fantastic performance. I think uh, Calvin made a, a extremely strong statement. And I'm here. You know, I bounced back from the, the Holloway fight. And I'm not just somebody you're going to pass up on uh, and allow these uh, younger uh lossless you know uh, not anymore but lossless fighters come in and and steal my rise for me so i'm actually really excited you know i I hadn't been paying too much attention to calvin over the past few years but now i'm going to because the confidence and the poise that he showed throughout all of the rounds and then when the energy picked back up in round four and five because they were kind of gas in round three uh, he just looked like he was there, like a a, a Roman, you know, warrior from two, three thousand years ago. He was there to uh, put it away, and at the end, um, he really did. And I think the only criticism he could give himself, uh, constructively, um, to maybe put people like Giga away faster in the future, would be angles and uh, more pressure on the ground. But other than that, spotless performance, and I'm glad that I went back and watched the Calvin fight. All right, my friends, and last but not least, we have Francis Ngannou and Cyril Gain coming up very soon here in January in the next week. And I'm really excited for this fight because it's not often that you see the heavyweight division look like this. In fact, I, I'm I'm not a UFC history buff, but I can't remember when you've seen this level of athleticism in the heavyweight division. Um, obviously, you're going to see more of it if and when John Jones comes back. But however, Cyril Gain is just a middleweight in a heavyweight body. The way he moves, how quick he is, his fast twitch muscles, um, I I mean, the way he jumps, the way he comes forward, uh, the way he spins, the way he kicks, the way he hops throughout all of the rounds that he's fighting. And obviously, he hasn't seen too many long fights because he puts people away. Um, It's going to be an issue for Francis Ngannou. I think Francis Ngannou has power that uh, Cyril Gain hasn't seen before. They've sparred, obviously, in the past and... Uh, you know, and we've seen that we've seen the leaked videos of that and everything. However, um, as uh, Cyril just said in his interview, uh, I believe with Kevin uh, Iola, he it's been a while and they've both gained a lot of skills since then. Um, the one factor I think that Nganu has is he has a power that Cyril hasn't seen before, but Cyril has defeated people with power. We saw what he did to Derek Lewis. Derek Lewis looked like um, he was in the fetal position the entire time, and that's not something you see somebody like uh, from somebody like the Beast. You know, you don't see uh, Derek back up like the way he did. Um, he couldn't even get a chance to stand on his feet from those leg kicks and from all the different switch looks and all that kind of stuff to to pack up his right hand, which is his number one. Um, uh, tool, uh, go-to tool to knock people out. So it's going to be an interesting fight, but I'm going to give at least a 20-30% edge to uh, gain. I think he gets it done. Um, uh, I don't think Francis Ngannou's power is going to do anything besides shock him. Uh, I think uh, Cyril uh, has a chin on him. I think he's going to adjust quickly. I think he's going to manage the range good. I think he can back up faster than Francis can come forward. And I think he gets hit by two or three big shots that kind of shock him, but he adjusts. Um, he, I think he breaks down the leg, uh, 
the leverage that Francis has in his leg to to power up on those hands. Um, and unless I, I think the only way it goes in Francis's favor is if the timing of one of his punches lands directly in a way that is unrecoverable. Uh, other than that, if Cyril can avoid those hands uh, just by dodging, shifting, choosing the right angles and being bouncy and switchy on his feet, I really do think that Cyril comes away from this and we have a contender that is going to be dang near impossible to beat in the heavyweight division. So we will see what comes after that. But I, I, if I were a betting man, I would put my money on Cyril Ghosn. Um, everybody says a different Cyril Gain, Cyril Ghosn. Um, I would put my money on Cyril Ghosn. I, I really would. And I think that he's going to come away with this and shock the world too and set a brand new standard for the heavyweight division of the UFC. But this is also coming in times where there's a lot of weird politicking coming into the UFC and the MMA world in general. So we'll see where the sport as a whole elevates in 2022. But this definitely is a new standard for the heavyweight division. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to episode two of The Shell Game. Uh, we're working on getting the uh, podcast up on all platforms right now. It's on Spotify and YouTube, uh, namely. And I'm doing some breakout content on Twitter as well to get everybody involved in the discussion. Um, but I'm loving this process. Uh, I've been a businessman and marketer for 10 years. Uh, I've had such a love and affinity for the sports of uh, football and um, the UFC. Uh, I may add some other sports in there. I really do love soccer as well. Um, and we shall see where the future goes and what it holds for the podcast. But because this is a love of mine, because it's a hobby, um, I'm going to continue to do it. Um, so engage with me at Derek Pause, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, if you will. And we will see you in episode three of The Shell Game. Peace. Peace.